church, how are you? Just forgive me for a moment while I set everything up. Bring my own tablecloth to church these days. You know, as a new dad, you never know what you might need. Lots of different things. Jack, can you go grab me a little paper towel, please? There's uh, communion juice. That's okay. That's okay. But without my tablet, which is in, still in Bali, uh, that paper's not going to slide very well there. So, church, uh, this morning, a couple of uh, uh, administrational things uh, to share with you all uh, as a family uh, before I get into my message. And uh, the first one is around the finances of our church. So, uh, on your chair, you will find a little business card that we've printed up for you. If you want to grab one of those. Thank you, Jack. Awesome. That's okay. My notes aren't uh, that low. We're all good. We're all good. Thought I was the one that was allowed to drop things these days. So, uh, as our church continues to grow, uh, so you've got this one here, uh, it's our new giving account. Uh, so, what, uh, what the uh, board of our church has decided to do is to uh, separate out the bank accounts of Redcliffe uh, Church, of Morrowfield Church, and of Warner Church. So at the moment, all of the giving goes into uh, the one bank account. Emerge Church just has one bank account. And then from there, our finance team then distributes it uh, out to all of the different departments. Uh, you know, when we have, a, uh, for example, a love offering for a guest speaker, everything that comes in for that guest speaker goes straight out to that guest speaker. Um, if someone puts in money for uh, missions, it goes all to missions. So as you can imagine, that's, that's administrationally intensive, especially as the church continues to grow. And so what we're doing is we're, we're basically uh, trying to reduce the amount of work that is required for the finances of our church. So rather than the finance team having to, uh, you know, decipher what's meant to go to Warner, what's meant to go to Morrowfield, what's meant to go to uh, Redcliffe, uh, all the money uh, that is received into those accounts obviously would be for that church. And so just like if this church was a standalone church, that's the purpose of, of what we're doing. And uh, so if you are an online giver, uh, if you can update uh, your bank account uh, to these details, the current one's going to stay open for a little while, uh, obviously, so that uh, people that aren't aware of the change and stuff like that uh, slowly can be made aware of the change, but the goal is to close the current bank account down completely, uh, opening the, the three new accounts. Uh, so, uh, when you uh, use this one, this particular account number is for this uh, church here in Morrowfield. Does that make sense? Yep, cool, awesome. So, that's the purpose of why we're doing that. Uh, obviously, it's going to help us administrate uh, the finances for growth and allow us to continue uh, seeing the kingdom expanded, which is the whole purpose of it all. Obviously, tithing is uh, a requirement of God. Uh, it releases our finances. We place our trust in Him, and all of the finances that comes into a church is used to expand the kingdom. So I want us to pray for that, and uh, service team, if you could just bring the buckets ready to make forward, uh, sorry, bring those forward to make ready to receive those that are giving physically today, and I'm going to pray uh, for the finances 
uh, over our church. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for the blessing that you pour out into our lives. And God, as we bring the tithes and offering into your house, God, to see this place expand, God, to see people's lives changed, God, to see this suburb and the surrounding suburbs, to see the, the history being rewritten around this region. Lord God, we, we are so excited that you are building your house and so, Lord God, as all of the money that comes in, God, we pray that it would continue to go to souls being saved, Lord, to this place becoming a lighthouse of hope and love and freedom, Lord, for this region. Lord, let this church be all that you have called it to be. Lord, as we gather, Lord, as one family, as one body, God, I pray that the people around us would see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, bless the giving today. Lord, bless what we are bringing into this house. Lord, let it grow into much fruit, into everlasting fruit, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, team. You can pass those buckets around. So that's the purpose of those uh, business cards. Uh, They are not for you to give out. The invite cards are for you to give out. Please don't pass out uh, bank account details out to other people. Uh, That is not the purpose of those cards. It's not why they're on your seat. And that's why I wanted to explain it. They are for you to help us administrate it all well. Good? Awesome. Well, today is also Religious Freedom Sunday. May the 7th, uh, the Australian Christian Churches is declared today uh, nationally a day around religious freedom. And, uh, you know, uh, it's an important topic because it affects so many aspects of life, so many different aspects. And we're going to look at one of those today just for a couple of minutes, but to to launch this off, I've got a quick video that I want you to, to watch. Just turn your eyes to the screen. Thanks. Thank you for participating in our Freedom of Religion Sunday. And can I tell you, this is a really important day. My name is Mark Edwards and I'm the Senior Pastor of City Hope Church in Ipswich, Queensland. And for the past seven years, I've been representing the National Executive of Australian Christian Churches in the area of freedom of religion. Now recently, an event has occurred which has caused us a lot of alarm in relation to freedom of religion in our nation. The Australian Law Reform Commission have produced a report that faith-based schools, that's us, Christian schools, do not have the right to employ staff who actually agree with the ethos and the values of the particular school. Now, can I tell you, that's an affront to religious freedom. In a few moments, you're going to be told how you can get involved. And I really do need you to get involved. This is the most vital time because we know that report is going to be sent to every member of parliament within the next couple of weeks. This is the time when every single one of us can't take a backward step, but needs to say, how can I help the cause of religious freedom in this nation? And if you do get involved, your children and your grandchildren will say thank you. And so will I. And so will our movement, Australian Christian Churches. 
obviously you can understand the ramifications of something like that, not just impacting schools, but also impacting all religious organisations. So, what is the concern? Well, the ALRC, the Australian Law Reform Commission, are seeking to have Parliament enshrine in law restrictions on faith-based schools' ability to hire staff that are in alignment with their faith and religious ethos. The submission recognises the importance of religious freedom, but then straight after that statement in the paper, they go on to recommend severe restrictions of those freedoms. A lot of MPs are currently unaware. For the Mark Edwards, uh, he's a lawyer uh, and very well respected uh, around our nation, uh, has uh, put all of this together so we can be preemptive and on the front foot as a national movement. So there is literally hundreds of thousands of people hearing this exact message right now in churches all around Australia and there's purpose to it. The MPs, uh, most of them, like I said, are not aware uh, that this paper has even been put forward or the significance of it. There's so many papers put forward and uh, it's quietly trying to slip through. So our church leaders have asked us to make it known to our MPs so that the danger can be made aware of. Left unchecked, this could have drastic ramifications on all faith-based organisations. Now, this is not just about Christianity. This is about religious freedom in our nation. So how can you help? If we can have that uh, slide up. Uh, these are requirements to participate for you in this church. Uh, we're looking for minimum seven uh, people being willing to write a unique letter. Uh, so we can have more than seven uh, if you'd like to, um, but you need to live in the electorate of Longman. So that's the first tick that you have to uh, pass. Uh, you've got to be willing to uh, either handwrite or type out, but it needs to be a unique letter uh, of your concern around this issue. Uh, preferably, uh, it would be best if you had a valid reason to be writing that letter. So you're a parent of children uh, that attend a faith-based school uh, or a grandparent of children that attend a faith-based school, uh, preferably not someone who works in a faith-based school. Uh, if you work in a uh, state school, uh, then that would, that would definitely still uh, be good. Obviously, if you're working in a faith-based school, they're going to see that as someone having uh, vested interest, so it's not going to be as powerful. Uh, and not just pushing the Christian agenda, but being willing to write around the idea of the right to religious freedom. So, uh, it's pretty incredible. When I was putting all of this together for our church, uh, the three uh, members that we've got um, over Redcliffe, Morayfield and Warner are generally speaking on board with stuff like this. So we've got Terry Young here uh, for Longman, there's Luke Howarth for Petrie, which is over Redcliffe, and then there's Peter Dixon, uh, sorry, Peter Dixon, he's the member for, for Dixon, Peter Dutton, the member for Dixon over, over Warner. So my call to action is this, uh, if you're willing uh, and you meet those requirements, I want to meet with you uh, at the end of service uh, today and uh, we'll, we'll just meet uh, just over to the, your, your left, my right here uh, and from there uh, I've got a handout that I'll give to you. Uh, it's got um, some suggestions on what to write, how to write uh, and then we need you to get those back to me uh, within a week. So by next Sunday, bring those back in 
and uh, we'll review them, work with you to make sure uh, that it's going to actually be read. It's not just going to be thrown out. Uh, so we're not, we're not just asking you to go ahead and do something without the support that's required to do something like this. And I also need a couple of people that might be willing to actually have a face-to-face -face meeting with our MP as well. And uh, if you're willing to either write a letter or come to a face-to-face -face meeting, I'd love to see you uh, as well at the, the end of service. So, can I say this? That stuff like this might, might uh, make you feel uncomfortable. Stuff like this might start to cause an uneasiness or maybe an anger or something that, you know, stuff like this is going on behind the scenes. Uh, but the people that are writing these things or trying to push this stuff through, I want to remind you this morning, church, that we're not against them. In fact, we're, it's the very opposite. We are very for them. Uh, the beliefs of the world are not God's beliefs. If someone doesn't know the teachings of Jesus, we cannot expect them to know the teachings of Jesus. You know, Jesus said this uh, of himself, of his own father, uh, in John 3, 17. Uh, he said, for my father, for God, did not send me into the world to judge them, but that through me they might be saved. So we need to approach all things like this uh, with that as our, as our foundation uh, that we are, we are very for the people around us in this society. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, this morning, I have entitled my message, Faith People Wear Cool Things. <laughs> faith People Wear Cool Things. So last week, I preached on faith people do cool things. Well, this morning, you're going to hear how faith people wear cool things. It's a godly wardrobe. I would put to you that is actually the new sexy, okay? <laughs> there. I want to read to you this morning from Colossians chapter 3. It's about living the new life. It says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. 
Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, do it as representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's pray as we get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you would help us to be changed by your word. Lord, help us as the scriptures have just said to strip off the things that are not good for us and the things that are not good for the world around us and help us to put on the things that are good, the things that are good for us and the things that are good for those around us. Lord, help us to, in all things, do it in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, aren't we all thankful that everyone remembered to wear their clothes today? Yes. Yes, there's a resounding yes. In agreement, I'm pretty sure you are thankful that the person sitting next to you is very well clothed. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be that way, but uh, you know what? It is now. It is now. You know, once upon a time, you know, before sin, well, there was everyone. But uh, not anymore, okay? So thank you for wearing clothes. I appreciate it. The person next to you appreciate it. And you probably appreciate yourself too. So uh, let's, be, let's be honest. You know what? The current age that we are living in, uh, it, it's getting tricky to have faith as a Bible-believing Christian. Uh, the uh, Christian principles that have largely... Uh, determined and dictated society that you and I uh, live in, uh, especially uh, in Western culture, uh, is very quickly being eroded. Uh, over the centuries, uh, you know, there has been a, uh, a spiritual awakening. Over the centuries, there's been a, a coming into a revelation of doing life the way God has uh, commanded us to do because of the benefit of living the way Jesus tells us to live, but there's a ruler at play in this world, the enemy of our souls who hates us, who wants to undo the love of God. And it is, it, it's getting more tricky to be a public Christian in our society, uh, out of touch, Tra- you know, old, traditionalist, you know, oh, we, that's not how we think anymore. You know, that, 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 that stuff's, you know, it was good for a time. It's not good for anymore. You're not woke if you, you know, if you still believe in, in uh, you know, the Bible and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it, it's just something nice, you know, for some people. You know, all of the different uh, things that get uh, used to explain who we are, insensitive or, you know, old-fashioned. I mean, just look at the media at the moment having a, a field trip with Hellsong, as uh, they have so creatively uh, come with. I, I couldn't help but laugh at the uh, the ads to, to something recently. It's like uh, the, the mansion of the pastor that had a pool and a walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> it's like, wow. I thought, like, 
almost every house has a walk-in wardrobe, don't they? I mean, you know, I, growing up, I didn't have one. Mum and Dad had one. They were like, oh, my gosh, a walk-in wardrobe. It's like, oh, outrageous. Like, yeah, scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, for that one. You know, persecution for the gospel's sake is nothing new, though. From the beginning of the initiation of the disciples that walked with Jesus, you know, Stephen being stoned and, you know, all of the, uh, you know, all of the lives that uh, were being lived, not just with the disciples, but the early church, uh, you know, all of them, so many of them martyred for their faith, so many of them struggling with what they had stepped into. And it's just a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. You know, we don't need to be alarmed. If anything, church, let's get excited. Let's get excited because it just means Jesus is coming back ever sooner. We know that the end times is going to get harder. So if we think it's hard now, you know, the expectation that we have from scriptures is just going to get harder. But don't let that cause fear or insecurity to come into you. Just let it get you a little bit more excited because we know how it ends. We know what's on the other side of it. We've been warned, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there'll be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. You know, since the first disciples lost their lives for the sake of the good news of Jesus, to the martyrs of today, despite all of this, Christianity is still growing. Despite all of this, there is still more Christians on the planet today than there has ever been. You know why? Because nothing can stand against the power of the gospel. Nothing can stand against the power of the gospel. I mean, encourage again, we know how the story ends. We've got a spoiler alert. Normally that's bad. I hate it when people tell me about a movie I haven't seen yet, or they recommend I read a book and they tell me all about it. I'm like, now I don't have to read the book, you know? oh man, it's, it's, it's awful, you know, like, what's the point if you've already heard? But in life, it's good to know, isn't it? It's good to have that confidence in the end, victory is in Jesus. And we are victorious because we have Jesus. You know, Jesus himself said that we would be hated. He said, when they persecute you, know that they first persecuted me. They're going to hate you because they hated me. You think about what, what Jesus went through with the message that he was preaching. You think about the, the content of his message. Not just the content of his preaching, but the action, the deeds that he performed. What, what, what bad did he do? But they still were jealous. They still wanted to kill him. They beat him up, they plucked out his beard, they pushed a crown of thorns into his forehead, they stripped him, spat on him, punched him, whipped him, crucified him, but we know how it ends. He rose victorious, conquering it all. So how do we live as Christians in a world that's getting ever hostile to our Christianity? How do we still live as Christians today? That's what today is all about, church. That's what I want to preach about today. How can you be confident to be a Christian? How can you get up in the morning and go, oh, I'm proud to be a Christian today, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to be a public 
Christian, I'm not going to hide it, but I'm going to be a public Christian in my workplace. I'm going to be a public Christian with my neighbours. I'm going to be a public Christian with uh, my, my friends, my family, strangers. doesn't matter who I am around. I want to give you the confidence today to be a public Christian. You see, what the world thinks of Christianity, what the world thinks of God, is ultimately what they think of us. That's why sometimes we find it hard to shine. Because we start to allow what they think of Christianity, we start to allow what the people around us think of God to start to impose on us and our confidence to start to impose on us and we start to shrink back and we start to cover it up and hide it. Living a Christian in a hostile world is like placing sheep among wolves. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Well, thank you, Jesus. That's very encouraging. (laughs) So, be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Be wise, be wise, be gentle, be wise in your living and be gentle in how you live. Come on, let's not give up. Church, let's not give up because the mission that you and I have got is worth sticking to. Come on, greater is he that's in you, amen, than he that is in the world. Let's not take our eye off the prize. Let's not take our eye off the mission. Let's not take our hands off the plow. Let's keep doing what God has asked us to do. Jesus said this, John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Church, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. So we need to take serious stock today of our dress code. What are we wearing? What are we putting on? Uh, And I'm not talking about what you're wearing right now. Again, thankful you're wearing it. Why? Why is it important? Why is who we are, why is what we wear important? Well, we don't want the world to be against us. We actually want them to be with us. They're your brothers and sisters, my friends. They're your brothers and sisters. They are yet to be adopted children of God. That's who you, that's who you are with in the world around you. you know, I, I believe that we need to care more about the eternal destination of the people around us and allow that to overrule the fears. To care more about where they're going to spend eternity and less about what they think of us, less about what they might say, Less about the offences and the words and sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. You see, the world might be against Christianity, but Christianity is very much for the world. When Paul writes to Timothy, he exhorts Timothy to teach people how to be with unbelievers. He said this, Titus 3, 1 to 3, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled, 
and became slaves to the many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. You know, we, we need to live with unbelievers around us, showing them the same grace and mercy that God has shown us. That's how we need to live with the people around us. Jesus is the answer. You know, what you, what you say matters and how you dress matters. Who do people see you as? Who are you known by? You know, they, they say, you know, oh, you know uh, well, even when you're not here, you know, you have a good report or, uh, you know, like, you know, oh, well, you know, uh, preceding you is a good reputation and stuff like that. Who do people, who do people say you are? Who do people see you as? You see, the Word of God tells us how to dress. These are clothes that we need to wear when we deal with the world around us. Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Tender-hearted mercy, compassion, tender-hearted, a, a heart of mercy. You feel what they are going through. It's a lifestyle of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, and patience. You see, what the world sees God as is because of how they see us. So God is imploring us here to clothe ourselves in a way that will draw people to Him. I've got four points today. And the first point is this, what not to wear. This is important because this is stuff we've got to take off in order to put on the right things. It, it, it's, it's useless wearing uh, too much. It, it, you know, if, you, if you're... If you've got something that's not good uh, in your life, it's going to uh, muddy the waters. It's going to cloud the good that is in your life. It's the stuff that we need to take off. You know, uh, gossip just doesn't look good on anyone, but gossip doesn't look good on you. Gossip doesn't look good on the church. Gossip doesn't look good on on a believer. You know, uh, if anyone starts whispering, don't listen. Now, unless they're telling you a cool secret about a surprise that's like coming around the corner or something, it's like, you can listen. But if it's about someone who's not there and you're talking about them and there's no way for them to defend themselves, whatever, there's no purpose in that. There's no value in that. Why talk about someone who's not even there? Talk about yourself. Talk about the good things of God. Fill your lips with something else that is worth spending your effort and the breath that God has given you on. Don't gossip. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good when you start to whisper about someone that isn't there. If someone's whispering, it's probably stemming from darkness. A thought has come and you're entertaining it by allowing it to be spoken out. Envy. Envy doesn't look good on you. Envy does not look good on you. It doesn't sound good either. You know, envy is when you pull someone down, when you covet what someone else has. When you envy of someone, uh, it comes out in all different ways. You know, if someone's doing well around you, don't, don't hate on them. Champion them. 
If someone's business is going well, or if someone has a really awesome car, or a beautiful home, or they've been promoted, or things are just going well, we'll encourage them. Lean in. Get involved with what they're doing. Who knows? Maybe the win-win will kick into place. Maybe you can start doing well as well. Don't pull other people down. Don't pull success down around you. Envy doesn't look good on you. When the people around you are doing well, who knows? Maybe it's God blessing them. Love on them and champion them. Hey, hey, wow, your business must be going so well. Praise God for His goodness on your life. Like all of the things that you're going to be able to do. And wow, like God is just blessing you, overflowing the blessing all over you, all into your lap and all around you. Man, I'm so excited for you. Like what's next? What's your vision? What's in the future? You know, I'm pretty sure if someone starts to have someone like that approaching them and talking to them like that, they're going to let them be involved in their life. They're going to say, hey, yeah, well, you know, this is what I'm doing and this is why God's blessing me and do you want to be a part of it? Like, that's a better response than to start to pull someone down and say, oh, they don't deserve it or how did they get that or, oh, you know, must have done something dodgy to have all that stuff or whatever. It's like envy doesn't look good and it doesn't sound good. We need to, as believers, we need to get rid of this stuff that's hurting the image of God. We need to get rid of the stuff out of our life that is hurting the image of our Jesus. It said in Colossians 3, 8 to 9, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You know, when you're with unbelievers, it's pointless to expect them to be believers because they're not. (laughs) And it's also pointless to expect them to adhere to the Word of God, because they don't believe in its authority. The Christian believes in the authority of the Word of God, but the world doesn't. So, expecting them to adhere to the authority of the Word of God is pointless. It's not right. It's not going to help them. Encountering Jesus is what's going to draw them in, to preach the good news, to get them baptized, and then to teach them all of the commands of Christ. Let's not get the Great Commission out of order, church. Let's keep it in order, and let's tell them about the goodness of God. Point two, what to wear? Well, it tells us to wear tender-hearted mercy, to be compassionate, people of compassion, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be humble, to be gentle, and to be patient. Why is this so important? It's because our faith is important. This is really important for us to clothe ourselves every day. It's really important to represent ourselves as Christians in the way that God has asked us to, because it's what's going to introduce the people in the world around us to Jesus Christ Himself. I would put to you this, let only the gospel offend. If you're doing something that's offensive, if you're living in a way that is not good, don't. Be compassionate. You know, sinners were drawn to Jesus because they didn't feel judgment. They didn't feel judgment, they felt compassion. All of the different times that Jesus, uh, uh, you know, moved with compassion, just healed everyone. 
You know, this, this one time when uh, the uh, news of John the Baptist, his cousin, uh, came and he uh, heard it, he, he, he got in a boat and w- went away because he wanted to be alone, naturally. He wanted to go to a desolate place, but the crowds heard where he was going. And as he stepped off the boat, he saw this massive crowd of people. And it says, moved with compassion for them, he healed them all. Even in a time where he, he probably, you know, could have served himself. He could have, he could have spent some, you know, quality time with himself. Moved with compassion, he reached out to the world around him. It's what made people love Jesus. He touched lepers, used Samaritan as one of the heroes in, his, in one of his stories, you know, to the people of the Jewish culture who that was just unheard of trying to break down traditions, like that song that we sung this morning. He never entered into their behavior, but he did enter into their homes. He was seen with them, he dined with them, he loved them. Jesus was constantly moved with compassion, kindness, kindness. Proverbs eleven seventeen says this, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. You know, kindness in a world that demands its own rights, kindness in a world with people demanding what they think is rightfully theirs, it's underrated. It's an underrated, but it's an attractive quality. You know, there there is so much unkindness around us. There really is. Just go for a drive. (laughs) People are just unkind on the road. It's like... I slowed down, down the other day to let someone in and uh, the person behind me got grumpy. I was like, there's a red light up ahead anyway, so it's like, not going to get very far. So in my kindness, you know, I turned around and, you know, I see a red light. I'm sure they couldn't see me through the tinting. But anyways, you know. <laughs> you know, I got really convicted uh, one time uh, when I was on the phone to a telemarketer. They're just doing their job. That's what I realized. And uh, I was not kind at all. <laughs> and uh, this very wise person in my life heard the conversation. Just a simple statement, Joe, that wasn't very Christian. I was like, mm. <laughs> it's true. And I realized, you know, we need to recognize the difference between a telemarketer and a scammer. There's a big difference. Because the telemarketer is just doing their job. The scammers, they are out to get you. They are out to get you. But with the gentle response, I keep scammers on the line for, you know, quite a, quite a period. And uh, when they get to the point where they've got me to download the app and install it on my phone so that, you know, they can log in and, and help me with, uh, you know, my issues with my, my phone and they ask me to read out the numbers, well, I start telling them, yep, one, four... Three, three. Yes, sir. I'm like, yep, one, four, three. And it's probably, was, uh, probably, probably was, what would it be next? Like one, five, one, nine. There we are. And I'm like, really? There, there, there should be more numbers. No, 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 no. no. Oh, look at that. Now it's uh, one, five, five, five. You're like, sir, these are not the, not the right numbers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now it's one, six, zero, eight. That's how long I've kept you on the phone from being able to scam someone else. And they're like, what? 
it's not a scammer. I'm not a scammer. And they, then we start to have a wonderful conversation. At, uh, I always win. You know, this company called me recently, um, and it wasn't a blocked number. Uh, and it wasn't one of those mobile numbers that you can't call back. It was a Sydney number. I called him back 72 times. <laughs> it was awesome. 72 times. And, uh, and then I lodged it with Scamwatch because uh, I was like, man, this is, this is an actual professional one. There's no need to be unkind, though. Kindness is going out of your way, maybe even just a little, so that you can make someone else's day better. What could you do that could make someone else's better? There's no point having right intentions. We need to take the intention of our heart, put it into the action of our hands. There's no point having a belief if we don't believe it and do it. The next thing to put on is humility. I would say this, don't wear arrogance. Don't wear arrogance. Arrogance is when you think you're better than someone else. When you think you're smarter, more deserved, more favoured. You judge others by your success and others by what you determine to be success. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Church, you're only good because of God. And we can only be good because of God. Recognize that. And in thankfulness, in gratitude, in humbleness, approach the world around you. Find positive things to say and positive things to do. Gentleness. Do you react or do you respond? You know, emotions are a gift from God. We're made in His image. They're there to help us feel life, to enjoy life. They're also there to warn us of what's happening, to warn us of maybe there's something that we need to let go of or maybe there's something that we need to deal with in our life. Myself, I am, uh, praise God, a very naturally empathetic person uh, and very patient, very slow to anger. Uh, I was not so... uh, when I was a teenager or a, or a young man, my father, uh, God bless him, and I thank him all the time, and I thank God for the painstaking patience that my dad went through to remove out of me the typical fiery redhead. And I can tell you that it helped me when I stepped into being a youth pastor a lot. But it became a warning bell for me because I was naturally empathetic and naturally slow to anger. When I, when I started to get impatient or angry or I started to, to not care about what people were going through, it's just a warning bell. Hey, Joe, have a night off. Rest, step back. Stop serving. Love yourself to love your neighbour. Love your neighbour as yourself. Emotions are a good thing, but don't allow them to rule you. They're not you. They are yours. So don't allow them to rule you. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. It's easy to react. It's easy to fire up in the righteousness of God. It's easy to, to, to get, you know, stirred up about something. 
but it's not right. You know when the woman who was caught in adultery was thrown at the feet of Jesus? Uh, I believe, personally, that Jesus stooped down to draw in the dirt to find the will of the Father. So we know that the Bible says that he only does what the will of the Father wanted him to do. And we know that Jesus got frustrated, we know that he got angry, we know that he loves people, and in this moment, there was opportunity to react or to respond, but Jesus stoops down, draws in the dirt, and rather than standing up and attacking the attackers, he stands up and responds in a way that turns it around to be a no-win scenario to a win-win. Because Jesus doesn't just love the accused, he loves the accusers, because he loves the whole world. So he produced an opportunity for even those that were accusing the woman caught in adultery to also come into relationship with him. Now, sadly, they walked away one by one. But Jesus didn't judge them because he stooped back down in the dirt so as not to shame them as they walked away. We need to respond. We need to be gentle in our dealings with people. Don't react. Take a moment. Do what Jesus did. Just stoop down and draw in the dirt, so to speak so that you can, in that moment, compose yourself to put on gentleness, to take off anger, and to approach the person in front of you with gentleness. Lastly, put on patience. When you're not patient, in that moment, ask yourself, why? Why am I not patient? And ask yourself, is it because I'm not being served? Because generally, impatience is because self isn't being served. Selfishness is ugly. Don't wear it. Take it off. Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. Now, I think the only lack of patience should be a godly frustration with souls going to hell. That we want to see more people saved and more people saved more quickly. My last two points are this. Being in the world is not participation in the world. Jesus dined with them. He didn't sin with them. Can I get the uh, guys to come up that are helping me with the illustration this morning, please? You see, church, you and I are born with desire. It's a gift of God. We have desire within us. We desire things. We desire good things. We desire... But just because we desire it doesn't make it right. Just because it's within us doesn't make it right. You know, if you desire something, but it's not in accordance with God, then it's not something that you should be submitting to. Just because it's there. See, the world says, well, it's, if it's my desire, then I can have it. Can you imagine if, if the world actually lived like that? Because they say it as if it's their truth. But if everyone actually believed that and lived like that and lived in slavery to the desires in their life, you know, I'm married to Yovana. And if I, you know, desire someone else who's not Yovana, does that mean that I'm allowed to act on it? No. But it's, but it's a desire. That's what the world says. But it's not true. You see, we are called to be the light. We should stand out. 
we should look different to the people around us. But if we, if we don't shine our light, when we mix amongst people, How will they know? How will they look any different? How will they see hope? How will they see life? How will they see love? How will they see that there is another way to live? This is not what we've been called to do. We're not called to fit in, church. We are called to stand out. We're not called to to be accepting of sin. It's not what Jesus did. But we are to be accepting of sinners. That's why Jesus said, don't hide your light. Because there's a visible difference when we don't. There's a visible difference when you and I stand out. When you and I put on what God asked us to put on, it shows the world that there is another way. It shows the world that there is hope, that there is life, that there is love, that there is freedom. This is what you and I have been called to put on. Thank you, guys. Come on, give me a round of applause. Thank you for helping me. My last point is this, persecution. Blessed are you, and you are persecuted for my name's sake, Jesus said. Your reward is in heaven. Don't seek reward now. As a Christian, we will be rewarded now. There are good things by living godly that we get to have now, but even more so, we get to have good things for all eternity Now, the church has always been under persecution. Do you know that when the church is under persecution, history tells us that it's the time that the church grows the biggest and the fastest? So I want to encourage you, don't worry about the persecution. Just stay focused on wearing what God has asked you to wear. Don't worry about all of the issues going on in the world around you. Worry about focusing on the person right in front of you and representing to them well the God that we serve, representing to them well what being a Christian is actually all about. You see, the world wants to do away with Christianity. Australia, the laws, all of the different things, all of these things are coming up because I believe that they are not seeing the church in the way that they should be seeing the church. And it's up to you and I to represent to the world around us who we really have been called to be. If you are all of these things, to people around you. I can tell you that they're going to want to be around you. They're they're not even just going to tolerate you. They're going to start to love you and you're going to start to rub off on them and they're going to want to have you in their home to dine with you and invite you over and become a friend and hang out with you. And they're they're going to see that despite all the struggles that all humanity goes through, how can you have hope? How do you have joy? How do you still continue to live despite all of these things? And they're going to want what you and I have. It's why we've been called to be the light to the world around us. Bam, would you come up and join me as I finish? So church, what would you 
be described as by someone around you. Well, think about this. When you leave, what do you leave behind? Would people want to invite you back again? Have compassion. Just imagine that you had the same desires as someone else and recognized their struggle could have been yours. Be compassionate. Kindness. The Good Samaritan was commended because he showed kindness to someone that wasn't like him at all. Humility. Let's be humble, not arrogant in all our dealings with all people. You know, the people around you might have sin and maybe sin issues that are even more apparent than yours, but all of us have fallen short. We all need Jesus. Gentleness. You know, there's a way of explaining why God calls something sin in a way that can be explained gently and humbly. Maybe, maybe resource yourself, arm yourself with some apologetics. Or just simply, rather than react, respond in moments. Don't expect the world around you to be godly because they're not. You should, you should actually expect them to be ungodly. But overlook it. Don't let it overrule your passion to see them come to know Jesus. Think before you speak. Think before you post something and ask God, God, is this actually going to help someone come closer to you? Is this going to represent you well, Jesus, and what you did for the world on the cross? And lastly, patience. Patience. Let's not react. Let's respond. Let's give people the grace and the kindness that Jesus gives to us. Let's forgive 70 times 7 and let's show that mercy new every day for His mercies are new in the morning. Church, this is our godly wardrobe. This is what we need to put on. This is what we must wear every day. We must get up and go today. I'm not just going to put on my earthly clothes. I'm going to put on my godly wardrobe. I'm going to be compassionate to the people around me. I'm going to be humble. I'm going I'm to be kind. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be patient with the human beings around me. It's the face He wants us to be to the world. Today, who is in your life that your kindness could lead to repentance? Are there sinners in your world that are inviting you over to dine with them? And if there's not, then get involved in the world around you. Don't participate. But we are in the world. We're not of the world. But you and I have been called to be the light to the world around us. You know, maybe, maybe you can join a sports club or maybe you can volunteer somewhere this outside of the Sunday church gathering. Maybe there's something that you can be involved in where light can start to invade the darkness and they can see that being a Christian is actually what they really want to be. Salt and light, that's what you and I have been called to be. Come on, would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to I pray a couple of things over us today, church, that, that we can strip off the stuff that makes us ugly, the stuff that doesn't make us look good. And that we can put on the stuff that is going to prove to the world around us that our Jesus is awesome. That He is someone that they want to have in their life. Now, I just encourage you to close your eyes right now. 
in this moment. And before I pray for everyone here today, I just want to ask if there's anyone here today that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to start that relationship today. This is an opportunity for those of you here that have never invited Jesus into your story. The Bible says that to surrender your life to Him is to gain. That your story, the best version of it, is a story with Jesus in it. Because He made you and He loves you and He wants to help you to be the best version of yourself. So if that's you this morning, I'd invite all the Christians to just be praying in this moment and with every eye closed. If you're here today and you want to start that relationship with Jesus, would you just signal to God right now that you want to welcome Him in? And would you just raise your hand nice and high so that I can see it as well from the front here? Is there anyone here today? In this moment, I encourage you to raise your hand, to choose Jesus today. Is there anyone here? I'm just going to look across the room as every eye is closed. I invite you to raise your hand to say yes to Jesus today. My friend, I can encourage you. He wants relationship with you. And he's got good things in store for you. So just going to look across the room one more time. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to do that? Well, church, let's pray right now. Lord, we ask that those around us would see you. God, that the people in our lives, our family, our friends, our workplaces, our universities, our schools, our neighbours, the strangers that we live around, Lord, I pray that they would see you when they see us. God, I ask right now that you would help us to strip off the things that are not good to wear. Lord, the things that make us unattractive, the things that are ugly, the things that smell bad, the things that aren't nice to be around. Lord, help us in the morning to consciously decide to not be those things, I pray in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, even this week, help us to start to build a habit in the morning to to take off the things that we don't want to walk into that day and to put on the things that you have asked us to wear. Lord God, that we would not have the yuck or the stench or the stuff in our life. But Lord, even in the moment when we get it wrong, I pray that you would help us to be quick to ask for forgiveness. Lord, to be quick to be humble. And Lord, to ask people to forgive us and to show them that we care about them more than what we might look like. Lord God, I pray over this place, Lord God, that every person today, Lord God, that you would help them to be people who are compassionate, to be people, Lord God, that are kind, Lord, to be people that are gentle, Lord, to be people that are humble, to be people that are patient. Lord God, I pray that we would wear the clothes that you have given us to wear, that the world around us would see that you are the answer, that you are awesome, that you are love. And God, I pray right now for all of the places that we represent, Lord God, this week, Lord, I pray that they would see a visible change. Lord, that they would hear a new sound, Lord God, a visible change in our speech, a visible change in our actions, our conduct, and a visible change in what we wear. Lord God, let it, let it cause them to question Lord, I ask right now that there'll be people in our world this week that would question the change. Lord, that they would ask what's happened and we can tell them 
that we've been changed by the Word of God, that we went to church and His Word, a revelation came upon us and we've decided that from this day on, we're going to look different. We're going to wear things differently. We're going to be different to the world around us. Lord, I pray that we would continue to represent You well from this day on. Lord, that our lives would honour Your death, that our lives would honour Your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, I just stand against the fear of man. I stand against the spirit of intimidation over our lives. Lord God, I stand against that fear of the times. In Jesus' name right now. And Lord, I ask this morning the boldness would come upon us. Lord, that we would be stirred for souls. And Lord, that we would want to bless the world around us the way you did. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you, church. I pray that that encourages you, maybe challenges you a little bit, but inspires you as well, that you've got a godly wardrobe. You can wear it, that you can put on your natural clothes in the morning and you can put on your spiritual clothes as well. And I want to say this as well. I just really feel to say this in this moment, that if you start to wear those things, just watch what God does for you. Because he knows that it's not going to bless you and be squandered by you. Because if you start to wear those things, he knows that the world around you is going to be impacted. Just watch what your God does through you when you obey his commandments.